in our house, we have two telephones. And uh, one is in the kitchen and the other one is in my study. By each phone are emergency phone numbers as well as mom's cell phone. Okay, thank you. Oh, just put it in the pocket. Okay, how's that? So we have uh, uh, phones. There is mom's phone number, mom's cell number, my office number, my cell number, my pager number. And so if any time, if there's anything that you need, we want you to let us know because we're here to serve you. Again, welcome to our family. Dinner will be at 6, and we will see you then. And then we leave, and we go to work. And leave him there because he has everything he needs, right? Now, let me ask you this. Several of you are health professionals in this room. If you had a parent show up with a newborn and they told you that story, what would you be obligated to do? What? Child service, child CPS, child protective services. You would be obligated to call and report that. Why? Because that is what we call what? Negligence. Abuse. Exactly. Another question for you. As much as we laugh and chuckle at that story, and some of you looked a little appalled as you heard this guy from Southern California talk about Southern California parenting skills. But as much as we chuckle about that story, how different is that story from the life of so many Christians and new believers once they come to faith in Christ? Is there a parallel? You see? You get it? So glad you're in the family now. So glad you trusted Christ. Here, here's a Bible. It's got everything you need. Churches on Sunday, you know, meets at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, noon. Anything you need, let us know. And again, welcome to the family. See, we call the former child abuse, and I dare say the latter could be spiritual abuse and spiritual neglect. What do we need to do about this situation? This is my family. That's my kids when they were younger. Here we are a little bit young, older. Uh, taking it, that picture is taken in one of my favorite places in the world, Coronado Island. My son uh, is Jordan. He is, uh, just started his freshman year at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. My daughter is uh, 16 years old, going on 17, just started driving. Pray for us. And uh, uh, she thinks she knows what boys are, but she's not too interested in them yet. So, And then that's my wife. So anyway, in the same way that we build a healthy physical family, we need to be about building healthy spiritual families. And uh, a little bit of my spiritual journey story. Uh, these are some people who have had a profound impact in my life. Uh, Sue McAllister, I grew up in Mississippi, in Tupelo, Mississippi. Sue was the youth director at my church in Tupelo, and her husband was a banker. And I went through the motions of becoming a Christian when I was about eight or nine years old. I said a prayer, I walked an aisle, I joined the church, I was baptized. I really don't know if I came to the point in my spiritual journey that I put my trust in Jesus' death on the cross as payment for my sins. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I don't know. But by the time I was probably 12, 13, 14, all of the pieces that needed to come together came together for me so that I, I came to the point in my journey that I understood that God loved me, that I had a sin problem, that I needed a Savior, I was separated from God, and I needed to put my trust in Jesus' death on the cross as payment for my sins. I had been in church all of my life. I was one of the kids who could answer all of the questions as easy as they were in Sunday school, and my walk with God was important to me. But in my journey, nobody took the time to show me how to grow in my relationship with God. I mean, I knew I was supposed to pray, but I didn't know how to pray. I knew I was supposed to read the Bible, but I didn't know where I was supposed to start reading the Bible. I heard about something about a personal devotional life, but I had no idea what that was. I had no clue about how to talk to my friends about Christ. But Lee, who was a banker, married to a youth director, 
took some friends of mine in a small group Bible study and began to pour his life into us and began to help us grow in our spiritual journeys with God. And in a very practical way, sat us down, you know, young high school guys, and said, guys, this is how you read the Bible. Guys, this is how you pray. Guys, this is how you develop a dynamic, ongoing relationship with God. And my walk with God probably took off. I saw more growth as a result of Lee pouring his life into my life than I had seen sitting in church, listening to sermons, going to Sunday school for 12, 14 years. I saw more growth in six weeks hanging out with Lee as he was intentional with me, pouring his life into me than I did everything else combined. Now, a little bit of perspective on medical missions and ministry. Not doing evangelism and discipleship, if you're engaged in missions, whether it's medical missions, foreign missions, whatever, is a lot like a fireman running into a burning house and straightening pictures hanging on the wall. Now, that's a very radical statement, and some of you are maybe thinking about walking out right now. But give me a little bit of time to build my case. All right. Now, I don't know. I, I, I've been overseas short term. I've been around medical missions to some degree. And I don't know if I know what the answer is when you're the only health professional around for miles. And every day when you show up at your clinic, you've got 300 people lined up to see you. I don't know how all that works out and how you are able to take care of all of those people and then be about building spiritual multiplication and having a spiritual impact as well. But it seems that despite our gifting and our talents and our training, we all need to be going about Great Commission work. There are times in Scripture when you see Jesus leaving multitudes of people, many of them ill, many of them sick, because why? He wanted to go and spend some very intentional time with his disciples. There were times in Jesus' ministry when you see him coming along when he said, nope, we're not going to take care of these multitudes. No, we're not going to preach today because we need to go and hang out. We need to spend some time with God. We need to spend some time together. Or we need to go to the next village. The point is that whether you are a medical missionary, a business missionary, a teacher overseas, or you're one of those here in the United States, We all need to be about doing spiritual care in our mission field. And the mission field, as I'm going to define it, is a lot like what my friend Bill Buck, who is a retired oral surgeon down in Birmingham, Alabama, one time told me, he said, Bob, the best mission field is the ground between your two feet. We don't have to go overseas. Not that I'm telling you not to do that. But you can be involved in spiritual multiplication wherever you are at any time. The critical question for any missionary, internationalist or stateside, is what do you want your mission field to look like in 100 years when you're dead and gone? What do you want to leave behind? Do you want to invest in bricks and mortar? Or do you want to invest in the hearts and the souls of people who will last forever? Do you want to be involved in some type of vaccination thing, which is very worthwhile, and that's all you leave behind? Or do you want to invest in alongside of that things that the Scripture says will last forever? When I was in college, the most significant thing I did, the most significant thing I did, out of my grades and my papers and my projects and my Christian ministry experience and my Christian involvement and the organizations and the singing and the tours, the most important thing that I did and the most lasting thing that I did was pour my life into a guy named David Sheely. He was a roommate of mine, new Christian. He had been around church a little bit but was very green behind the ears, not like I was really advanced as a college sophomore either. But I was able to spend a lot of time with David pouring his life into my life helping him begin to grow in his walk with God, helping him learn how he could share his faith with other people, helping him learn how he could lead a Bible study and be involved in spiritual multiplication himself. Without question, in four years, that is the most significant thing that I did when I was at Mississippi State. And on my way out here yesterday, I stopped in Dallas and spent two hours with David. Rich, rich time. He's a year younger than I. 
and then I am. He called me a couple of years ago, and he said, Bob, guess what? I'm like, what? He said, I think God wants me to go to medical school. And he is in the process of applying for medical school right now. So if any of you are on dean's list or admission committees, see me afterwards, okay? I'll tell you about David. I'm going to be going through some principles as quickly as I can because normally I do this training in over about a four or five hour period. And we're going to be going very, very fast. But um, um, a lot of the material that I'm sharing with you I got from Lee. A lot of the material I got, uh, I am actually on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, and I picked that up in some of my staff training and staff experience. Another guy that I pulled a lot of information from is a guy named Roger Hershey. Uh, If any of you ever had a chance to meet Roger, worked at Miami of Ohio. And when we start talking about spiritual multiplication and we start talking about um, discipleship, what are we, where are we going over the next few minutes? Well, We're going to talk about understanding the right reasons for spiritual multiplication and discipleship, finding the right people to invest your life in, utilizing the right components, and teaching the right content. All right, why in the world do you want to make such a big deal about spiritual multiplication and discipleship? Well, number one, it's biblical. Jesus said shortly before he ascended into heaven, had a group of people around him right before he took off. He said, listen, guys, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why do I want to be involved in discipleship and spiritual multiplication? Jesus did it. And if Jesus did it, it seems like it's good enough for me. Not only did he do it, but he modeled spiritual multiplication. He modeled discipleship. You study his life. Yes, he preached to the masses. Yes, he healed a lot of people. Yes, he cared for the needs of individuals. But the most lasting impact that Jesus Christ had was with those men that he pulled aside to be his disciples. 2,000 years later, Christianity is a world religion primarily because Jesus invested his life into those 12 guys or 11 that remain. In fact, you want to do something cool? You want to think about this? If each one of you were to trace your spiritual lineage or your spiritual family history back through the ages, through the generations, you know what? Every one of us in here are like the great, 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 great spiritual grandson or granddaughter of Matthew or Peter. You know? What type of legacy do you want to leave behind? One of the great books on spiritual multiplication, many of you might be familiar with this, is a book entitled The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. It was published, I think, back in the early 60s, and it's probably gone through about 100 different printings so far. What this book does, every one of you need to have this book on your shelf. This is a great resource. It's a little short book, short read, and what it does is it looks at Jesus' work and how he worked with the disciples and some principles that he used in terms of building into them and being about spiritual multiplication with his 12 disciples. Great book. It's called evangelism, but actually it's about discipleship because Coleman understands that you can't do discipleship if you don't do evangelism. He's got another book entitled The Master Plan of Discipleship. It's about evangelism, but he understands that you can't do evangelism unless you do discipleship. Great book, great resources. Okay, it's biblical. Jesus modeled it. It is the most effective way to reach the world. Okay, I need four volunteers right quick. Somebody would get you, all right? Can you come up here? And how about your buddy right there? How about you, ma'am? And how about you, sir? Can you come up here, please? Real quick. Okay, tell us your names. John Mark. John, okay. Okay, turn your thing around because I'm terrible with names. I'll forget you. Okay, Carrie and Ryan. Okay, who of the four of you are the most outgoing? Who's, which of you are more administrative? Okay, so, all right, so Jordan's one. All right, that's easy. Okay, who's another outgoing person? All right, Carrie. Okay, you guys, I I can tell you're a little bit more administrative, behind the scenes, logistic type people, okay? Right? Okay, good. Glad glad we know that. Okay, 
Carrie, you and Ryan are going to work together. Okay, I want you to step over behind here. Okay, Jordan, you and what? What's your name? John Mark. John Mark. I want you to step over here. All right. Now, Carrie, you are an incredibly gifted communicator. In fact, you are probably the foremost evangelist in the world. Okay? Ryan is going to team up with you, and your objective is to reach the world. Okay? Now, here's the way it's going to work. We're going to, Ryan is going to work himself to death, and every day he is going to guarantee that you have a thousand people to speak to. All right? You're sort of like the next Billy Graham act. Okay? <laughs> and so you are going to be preaching and sharing the gospel to a thousand people every day. And Ryan is so good, so good at what he does, and not only good at what he does, but he's good at pre-screening. You are going to have a 100% conversion rate every night. Okay? All right, now, Jordan, yes, sir. you're not as outgoing as Carrie is, although you thought you were, okay? But here's what we're going to do. I'm getting all tangled up. What I want you to do is I want you to take John Mark. John Mark is a new believer, just came to Christ, and I want you to spend three months pouring your life into him, helping him grow helping him understand what it is to have a dynamic relationship with the Creator God and how to grow in that, how to spend time in the Word, how to pray, how to understand the Spirit-filled life, how to talk to his friends about Christ. And then I want you to help him learn some principles. What you're doing with him, I want you to equip him to be able to go out and do one of, with one of his friends. And then you'll go, go get another guy do the same thing, and then he's going to start doing the same thing. Okay? Your objective is to reach the world. Okay. All right? Got it? Okay. Let's see. We're going to chart out how these guys do. Okay? Now, uh, let's see. We're going to start out. Carrie is red. Okay? This is the number of people that she's seeing come to Christ and grow and all of this stuff. And then this is, uh, this is Jordan and John Mark. Okay? So we're going to sort of plot the progress here. All right? So Carrie is off to a great start. Now, these numbers... What I told her, a thousand. I don't know if these work out, but you get the idea. All right. So Carrie's off to a great start. Five years. She is killing. John, Jordan, what are you doing over there? I mean, you're not doing anything. All right. Well, let's go a little bit further. A little bit further. Oh, dude, you need to fire him because something's not working here. Okay. All right. You guys are going, going. Oh, you're gaining a little ground, little traction. 25 to, oh, big jump. Huh? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Carrie, what are you doing? You're sitting in Starbucks. You're not doing anything. You get the point? Okay, thank you. Yay, volunteers. If any of you have ever, I mean, this isn't rocket science. This is a principle of multiplication. If you've ever done any investing, you sort of understand that, read any financial investment books, the theory of multiplication, you know. Jim, if I came up and said, hey, I'll give you a penny today and double it, double it, double it, or I'll give you $1,000 and add to it, you won't take the penny, you know, because you'll be a multi-billionaire in a few years, all right? Same thing. Multiplication is the most effective way to reach our world for Christ. What do you want to leave behind in a 100 years? You want to leave behind a great record of this vaccination program that you put together? Not that you don't need to do that vaccination program, but is that all you want to leave behind? Or do you want to start spiritually pouring your life into a few select people so that you can have maximum impact? All right, it's biblical. Jesus modeled it. The most effective way to reach the world. Right objectives. Well, what type of disciple are we trying to build. Well, we are wanting to do, uh, uh, build a person who is uh, walking by faith. Um, let me see. We want somebody who, and when I say walk by faith, wanting to build a person who's coming to the point that biblical Christianity, biblical teaching, their walk with God permeates every area of their life. They don't begin to make a decision. Well, what, how does this fit in with God's plan to my life? Oh, I'm dating this girl. Let me see. Do I sleep with her like all my other friends do? No, the Bible says something about that. No, you want to start building people 
that Christianity, biblical Christianity, permeates everything. You know, I just got a raise. Man, do I go buy, do I go join the country club or do I maybe think about how I can invest this in some missionaries? You know, I've got a, you know, I, I got a, a, a two two additional weeks of vacation this year. What are we going to go to Tahiti? You know, and lay on the beach? Or no? Maybe I need to think about what's the most effective way. Their faith begins to permeate everything about their life. Another thing, you want to try to build a disciple who communicates their faith. Are the things that are on God's heart? the same things that are on this person's heart? Are they caring about the lost? I have the privilege of being able to work with medical students and health students uh, in Southern California and through a summer program, make contact with them all over the country and even different parts of the world. And one of the things that I love about being able to work with health students and medical professionals is that you guys are incredibly, in my mind, unparalleled poised in position to have maximum impact in the lives of people spiritually. As health professionals, people come to you, especially as an adult, at a time when they are maybe more open to spiritual truth than any other time in their entire life. Now, you might walk in the room and look at them, and in five minutes you know they're going to be okay, and the crisis that they have and they perceive is not a life-threatening crisis, but it's a big crisis to them, and all the props have been knocked out and they become incredibly open to spiritual truth. So you have a great opportunity as health professionals to be in a position that you can communicate your faith. And so one of the things that I love doing about working with medical students is being able to build into them so that they can become disciples that walk by faith, communicate their faith, and then another thing, multiply their faith. We saw, you know, it was the whole thing that we were doing with Jordan here, you know, I just want you, over the next three months or next three years, to pour your life into one or two people and to help them grow. That's the type of person that I'm trying to build, one that walks by faith, communicates their faith, and multiplies their faith. All right, so this is where we've been. It's biblical, Jesus model in the most effective way, right? Object is what type of person are we building? Okay, well, once we sort of understand what we're trying to do, who do we do it with? And how do we find disciples? How do we find the right people? Well, the truth of the matter is, you can't disciple everybody, especially with the responsibilities that you have as healthcare professionals or healthcare students or a businessman or whatever. And then if you are working and you're on the mission field, medical mission field, you're going to have significant responsibilities, maybe 300 people lined up to see you every day. And so the reality is, you can't disciple everybody. Well, don't get discouraged because you're in good company. Jesus couldn't disciple everybody either. He didn't try to disciple everybody. He just primarily poured his life, maximum impact, into 12 guys. So he had 12. You might be able to have 12 if you're in full-time ministry and you don't, and that's your primary focus. But if you're running a medical clinic overseas... You might only be able to disciple one or two or three. Okay, well, how do you decide out of all that group, who are you going to disciple? Better, how did Jesus choose? Luke tells his story. One of the days, one of those days, days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. All night, praying. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them, whom he designated as apostles. Now, something you need to catch here, where did I go? Here's my little thing. Something you need to catch here, called his disciples together, then he chose 12 of them. So he didn't choose all of them. I don't know how many were there, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100, you know. But if you've ever seen the Jesus film, it depicts this scene incredibly well. Jesus film is the one that was put together back in the 70s and has been used by mission organizations, shown in villages and all of that type of stuff. And in this scene, the Jesus film is based entirely on the book of Luke. Jesus walks through a crowd and it shows him choosing his disciples. And it's incredible the way he does it. It's like, okay, you, um, you, you. He was selective. 
He didn't take everybody. Well, what were some of the things that maybe we need to do? Well, we need to choose wisely. We need to know how to choose wisely. Jesus prayed about who he was going to choose. The reason that you need to choose wisely is because you can only invest in a few. Jesus invested in a few. Not everybody wants to be discipled by you. You know, you might be leading a Bible study or a Sunday school class. Might have 15, 20 people in there. Many of them probably don't want to be discipled by you. They might be interested in being discipled, but they don't want to be discipled by me. You know, Bob, no. No, I don't want to do that. You know. Other thing is, some people don't want to move towards biblical discipleship at all. Just don't want to. They're happy to come, sit in Bible study, and they're happy to go to church. They're happy to do a mission trip every now and then, but they don't want to be, you know, discipled. Long-term impact is key. Okay, well, how do I choose wisely? Well, carefully observe your potential disciples. Are they taking advantage of opportunities to grow? Are they spending time in the word? Do they seem to have a growing heart for God? Are they beginning to orient their lives around things about God and about Jesus and about the Bible? Do they have a heart for God? I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but are they fat? And what I mean by that, are, are they faithful? Do they show up for Bible study? If you ask them to do something, do they do it? Are they available? You know, hey, let's get together over coffee sometime. I'd like to talk a little bit more about what we talked about here tonight at Bible study. Oh, no, I, I, I got a meeting at work. Oh, no, I've got to coach a softball team. Oh, no, I've got to sweep the floor. Oh, no, I've got to wash my hair. Not me, but uh, uh, are they teachable? Do they appreciate what you say? Are they open to God's word? Do they recognize God's word as being authoritative in their life? Worst thing you can do, the most bummer thing you can ever do is try to disciple somebody who's not teachable. Oh, I learned that when I was in fourth grade. Oh, I heard a sermon on that. Oh, I read a book on that, you know. That's a bummer. You don't want to do that. Some of my summer students that I work with at our summer preceptorship, they like this acrostic of fat, but they wanted to put another letter in there. They wanted to put R in there, which is responsible, which is very good. So they're looking for farts, okay? So either way, you either need to be looking for fat people or you need to be looking for fart people, all right? All right, so faithful, available, teachable, reliable. All right, there's a group of guys that uh, med students that uh, I worked with and have been working with for the past uh, three years. Um, before they showed up their freshman year, I uh, remember spending some time intently praying, God, where and whom do you want me to pour my life into over the next few years? And students showed up for orientation, and, and it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Within about 48 hours of my prayer and this prayer, God began to pull these guys to get together. And it's been an incredible journey and an incredible ride being able to pour my life into them and begin to help them grow. Many of them were already on their way. Some of them were just on. This is sort of a cool story of uh, this guy, right? Where'd he go? <laughs> I just bought this a few minutes ago, so I don't know how it works. Yeah, this guy right there, his name is Jeff. Jeff was a, uh, I don't know, pre-med student at UCLA and uh, into himself and everything else you could be into, wasn't into God. And he started talking to a friend of his at UCLA who had uh, just gotten, they had just gotten back from spring break, or no, summer break, wasn't it? And uh, it's like, oh, so what did you do this summer? Oh, I went, I went on this mission trip. You, you did what? I went on a mission trip and I went overseas and I was, you know, uh, um, caring for these people in this developing country. And Jeff was like, why would you want to do that? And it's, well, because I love God and God's made a difference in my life and felt like he wanted me. Yeah, but why would you want to spend your summer doing that? And Jeff could not get away from the fact of this person investing her summer to go and do mission work. And that had a profound impact on Jeff and began his spiritual journey for him to become a Christian. Anyway, I didn't have that in my notes, but anyway. All right. So, understanding the right reasons for discipleship, finding the right people, utilizing the right components. Okay, so I'm, Bob, you convinced me. I need to be doing spiritual multiplication on my mission field, wherever my mission field is. 
I need to be finding the right people. I found them. I've got some farts available, and, and, we're, and we're ready to go on Monday. Okay, what do I do? And what are some things I need to be doing with them? Well, number one, building strong relationships with your disciples. Um, Paul, when he's writing to the Thessalonians, he says, We were pleased, told you I didn't know how to use it. We were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. Build strong relationships with your disciples. Some principles. Learn how to ask questions. Find out what's going on in their soul. Ask them, what are you doing? How are you doing in your walk with God? What are you learning from God these days? What's it like at home these days? Learn to listen. A lot of you know how to ask questions, but sometimes we're not always real good at listening, especially between the lines. Have fun together. Have them over for dinner. Play sports. Ride bikes. Ladies, go shopping together. You know, guys, go camping together. You know, whatever. But spend time. It's not just about Bible study. It's just not about going to church. It's building relationships. Be an encourager to them. Demonstrate vulnerability. Now, what do I mean when I say demonstrate vulnerability? Be honest with them. Be real. Be authentic. Those guys I showed you, you know, when I would meet with them individually or when I would meet with them as a group, if things had been rough at my house with my wife, if I had been unkind to her or we were on a rough spot, I, would, I tried to be very open with them about that and letting them know the struggles that I had, letting them know some very personal issues that were going on and continue to go on in my life. Why do I want to do that? Well, one, it helps me. But the other thing that's so, so critical is when you're working with somebody in discipleship is you want to help them begin to understand how biblical Christianity comes together with issues of life. And I want them to see me struggling with things, striving. I want them to see, you know, when I don't want to be patient with my wife, you know what, guys? You know what? I, I just had to go to my room and, and get out on my knees and shut the door, and I was fuming, and it's like, and, and God, there's nothing within me that wants to be patient and kind to Diana right now. And you know what happened, guys? God began to meet me, began to change my heart, began to work. And, and I blew it again this morning. But you know what? It's been a lot better. And my faith has made a big difference. So be honest, be real, be vulnerable with the people that you're working with. <laughs> Dig into the word together. Romans 12:2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word helps them build conviction. Why don't you want to sleep with your girlfriend? Well, how about this? The Bible says you don't need to do that. The word is truth. So important in our postmodern society where tolerance is all in, the, in a relativistic culture for them to come to understand what the word of God says. And there is a growing, rampant biblical ignorance in evangelical Christianity today. Huge. And so we need to be involved in helping people get grounded in the word of God. Another thing to do. Train your disciples by doing ministry together. Paul, again, for though you have... You might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers who are in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Let them see you doing ministry together. This is a picture of a mission trip, a little weekend mission trip that we take during our summer preceptorship. Take a bunch of medical students down to Mexico and uh, build a house for a needy family. Uh, run some clinics, and yet in that context of that situation, uh, they're able to do whole person care and do spiritual histories and pray with patients and things like that. 
one of the things that I do at, uh, in Southern California at the medical school that I work with, work at, or spend a lot of time at, is every Friday afternoon, every Friday afternoon we have something called spiritual care practicums, where we bring medical and health students together and we train them how to do whole person care. And then we take them up on the wards, live patients, bedside, give them opportunities to learn how to do spiritual histories. I'm not a physician, but I've hung around them a lot, and I've done a lot of spiritual care. And it is so much fun and so important for me to take some of these guys that I showed you. Okay, let's go to the wards, you know, and we go up. Okay, do a spiritual history. Brent, your turn. Go in there. I'm going to go over there with you. I'm going to stand in the back. I want you to go in, introduce yourself, start talking to this patient, go through a spiritual history with them. Learn how to do that. Okay? And then when we're done, come out of the room, pull them aside over in the hall somewhere, and we debrief and we talk about ministry because we've just done it together. Great thing to be involved in in terms of, okay, content. We've talked about the right reasons, right people, right components, right content. Well, what is the content? What type? I mean, we've got a big, thick Bible here, Bob. Where do we start? How about Revelation? You know, that'd be really cool. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fun. Right. Have you? You go. You go, girl. Three areas of content. Focus on specific needs and goals that they have in their life at that time. You know. What are some goals that they have? Do they want to become more physically fit? Do they want to get their grade point average up? It's okay to talk about that and deal with those types of things. You know, um, pass your convictions on to people. You know, God has gifted you and burdened you with some very specific things, and one of the greatest impacts you can have is sharing those convictions with others. All right. Yeah. Um, cover content that is foundational to everyone's. Christian walk. Cover content that is foundational to everyone's Christian walk. Now, a lot of times what I do when I have more time at this point, I would just open up the floor and I would say, okay, got a brand new Christian here. What are all the things that this brand new Christian needs to learn and know about and all this stuff? And and just have people start calling things out. And within about 10 minutes, we've got about 80 things listed on the wall. All right. Well, what do we start with? And what are some core, core things that you can start with? Well, I want to show you a tool that's been incredibly helpful to me. When I say core content, I mean things like, how can I know for sure that I'm a Christian? What do I do when I sin? Does God forgive me? Do I have to ask Jesus back into my heart? You know, is God mad at me? Do I have to have a really good week to balance off this really bad week? You know, you need to talk through things like that. Who is the Holy Spirit? What role does the Holy Spirit play in our lives? You know, How do I have a quiet time? How do I begin to develop a personal devotional life? These are some core, core things that every believer needs to know. And the truth of the matter is, I bet if you went into most churches in the United States and you did a survey, I bet the majority of people in the churches today couldn't, couldn't outline the things that I just talked about. Those are core. You know, that's like eating, you know, Fruits and vegetables and bread and grains and cereal. I mean, you know, just you can't live if you don't understand. You can't grow and survive spiritually if you don't understand it. Okay, well, Bob, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Let me share with you a tool that will take care of that for you. This is a CD. It's going to launch in a minute if my computer works. Might not. No, there it goes. But what this tool is, you can get it, and I'll give you a website of how you can get it. But this is a tool that has like uh, three years of curriculum laid out. And it's a CD, and it's sort of set up like a website. And so what it does is it goes through, and we talked about the different things, about um, what type of disciple you want to grow. Well, you've got several sessions right there on walk by faith. How do you build into a disciple who walks by faith? And the thing, these are some of the key topics that you need to begin to go through, like assurance of salvation, position in Christ, spirit-filled life, fellowship, the word, prayer, sharing the gospel. The thing that I really love about this little CD is it's not just like some worksheet that you look up verses and, okay, Jesus wept. Question is, what did Jesus do? Hmm, you know, it's boring, you know. No, 
what this does is it gives you an outline that you can give to your disciple, but it also has a leader's guide, and it, it's, it'll give you like four or five verses to walk through, and it's really more of a conversation that you have, you know, and some principles, and it'll give you the key things that you need to talk about. It'll give you the key passages. It'll give you some background. But these are available online from Campus Crusade for Christ. You just go to a website. I think it's ccci.org, ccci.org, and um, go to the um, go to the store and uh, type in um, type in Compass, and uh, it'll pop up. And I think it's about twelve, fifteen bucks. It's the best twelve or fifteen bucks you'll ever spend if you want to be involved in. Spiritual multiplication and discipleship. Incredible, incredible tool. And so it'll take you through information on how to build a disciple who walks by faith, communicates their faith, and multiplies their faith. Now, there are other, resor- excuse me, there are other resources out there. This is a wonderful, wonderful book entitled Personal Disciple Making by Chris Adsit. Chris has uh, involved, been involved in discipleship for a number of years. This has about, oh, 100 pages in it, uh, front end, about the principles of spiritual multiplication and discipleship. And then it gives you about 13 to 15 uh, outlines for doing spiritual multiplication and what to build into and what to cover with a potential disciple. Other other good website is godsquad.com. Don't you love that name? Godsquad.com. And then the classic, classic book is The Training of the Twelve. It's a big, thick book. Sort of uh, Master Plan of Evangelism is a Cliff Notes version of uh, Training of the Twelve. And then another classic book is Disciples Are Made, Not Born. All right, few perspectives on growth. Number one, God causes a growth. All right? It's not up to you to cause spiritual growth. You can facilitate an environment for growth to happen, but it's not up to you to make it happen. God will use the whole body in their discipleship journey, just not, not just you, you know? So they need to be involved in church. You don't know everything about the Bible. I don't either, and so we need resources to help us. Each disciple is responsible for her, his or her own spiritual growth. Okay, here's where we've been, the right reasons, the right people, the right components, the right content. Real quick. Several years ago, there was a medical, not a medical mission, there was a missionary who was sent by Campus Crusade for Christ. Campus Crusade didn't have anything going on in Asia. This was back in the 60s, I think, or 70s. And uh, a guy and his wife named Kent and Diane Hutchison went to the Philippines to begin um, uh, campus ministries. And there wasn't a whole lot going on on campus at that time. One of the students that they ran into was and met was a, uh, 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 a pre-med student named Young Chen. Young uh, was a very, very shy kid. Kent told him, Young, you are so shy. If you see your image or reflection of yourself in a mirror, you'd blush. All right? I mean, just, you know. Young had never been out on a date. The first time he ever went out on a date was uh, because the girl asked him out and uh, studied a lot and all that. But Kent began to pour his life into Young. And Young began to grow. Marcos was in power. Marxist rebels were on campus. Students were being shot dead in the streets. Martial law existed on the college campuses. And it was in that environment that Kent and Young began to work with college students. And they began to see a spiritual movement grow through spiritual multiplication, evangelism, discipleship that had a profound, profound impact at the University of the Philippines. There was almost like a counter-spiritual revolution going on in the midst of this political revolution. Young graduated and went to medical school, began to apply the principles and had a burden to see his medical class reach for campus began to systematically and intentionally have spiritual conversations with his medical school classmates, had worked his way halfway through the class, and the amazing thing was no one was interested in anything Young had to say. We're seeing no growth, no response, no multiplication whatsoever, and Young was actually heartbroken. And he was so burdened that one night he was just laying in bed and he just began to sob. And he sobbed, he says, for hours. And it was like, God, why have you given me this vision and this burden? And nobody's responding. It wasn't that he necessarily minded having the vision and the burden. But why are you burdening me with this if nothing's going to happen? 
Well, God met him there. Got him up, helped him keep going, and within a few weeks, he had met another medical student named Chris. Chris was the young geek guy in the entire class. Shared the gospel with Chris. Chris was sort of already on his spiritual journey, reaffirmed his commitment to Christ. But Chris didn't want to go to Bible study, didn't want to go to church. He's a busy medical student. And so you know what Young would do? He would go and he would cook dinner. And he would go and he would find Chris in the library. Or he would wait for him to get home from studying. And here's Young sitting there with dinner. Chris, you got to eat, dude. And i got dinner ready for you. And so when Chris would eat the meal that Young had prepared for him, Young would do a Bible study with him and begin to help him grow in his walk with God. The short end of that story, Chris began to grow, became a disciple who, you know, um, walked by faith, learned how to communicate his faith, learned how to multiply his faith. And by the time that Young and Chris finished medical school, in the five medical schools in the greater Philippine Manila area, there were 400 medical students that God had raised up through these two guys. Chris went on to become the number one pediatrician in the Philippines, founded a medical school so that he could have a platform for building spiritually into medical students in this developing country, and is the national director of our medical ministry in the Philippines now. Young came to the United States, did residency in Southern California, GI fellowship at Mayo, and then went back to Southern California and started all over. And there has begun a spiritual multiplication movement among health professionals that is reaching out worldwide. Why? Because one guy decided that he wanted to be involved in spiritual multiplication on his mission field, which happened to be the ground between his two feet. That's what spiritual multiplication is about. Now, as an organization, we have a number of training opportunities that I want to give a quick, unabashed, biased ad for you right quick. And, uh, and they're serving dinner down there. They've got plenty. You're not going to miss food, okay? So if you need to leave, leave. We're out of time. But uh, just a couple of more minutes. Uh, we do a training conference, a professional training conference, on doing whole person care with uh, uh, both for uh, health professionals and for uh, students. And then the other thing that we do, probably the best thing that we do, is a summer preceptorship called the Whole Person Care Preceptorship. I get paid to say nice things about it, so you won't believe me. But I wanted to introduce Andrew, who is a fourth-year medical student at Loma Linda, participating in our Whole Person Care Preceptorship. Let him tell you just a little bit about it. mostly about 25 to 30 uh, medical students um, and nursing students and other health professionals over the summer. It comes for about a month to get together the like spiritual care training slash missions program. And uh, it's usually um, yeah, something that students haven't heard about in their medical schools. And for me, I went to Loma Linda, so I heard some about this. And I was like, okay, you know, um, I went through the first couple of years of my medical, including third year, saying, okay, I'm, I'm Christian. I want to integrate my faith with my medicine. And then I did my third year of medical school, which is the clinical year, and I, I pretty much didn't talk to my patients at all about uh, spiritual care. I hardly talk to my patients, actually, um, unfortunately. And I also, um, yeah, just, just, you know, I intellectually assented to the fact that I needed to do spiritual care, and then I went in, and I didn't do any of it, and I walked out of third year very jaded, you know, some of you guys know the feeling, and, and discouraged because I was like, wait, I, I can say all these things, but then I won't practice any of them. And so what I was re- resolved to do after that is, like, I need to learn uh, how to actually practice, integrate my spiritual care um, and my medicine together. And I need practice, and I need mentorship and discipleship, and I need to do it with other people. And that's what this program ended up allowing me to do uh, for a summer. And really, um, you know, now as a fourth year, and just, like, going on my different rotations, just a totally different world now. I talk to my patients, and I talk to them about spiritual care, so... Um, yeah, if you have uh, you know a month, uh, and uh, I really encourage you guys to uh, check out the program, and really has impacted the way that uh, I will practice medicine the rest of my life now. So. Thank you, Andrew. And then I want to I want to introduce one other person, Lauren Tatum. You might be asking, well, yeah, that sounds good, and it's all theoretical, but how does it really play out? Lauren came to our preceptorship as a uh, first-year medical student uh, uh, from uh, LSU, of all places. 
and uh, um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, Lauren is now a uh, ER physician in uh, Chicago. So Lauren, now that you're in practice, now that you're grown up and you're a real doctor, how has this helped you? Great question. Um, yeah, for anyone who knows ER in Chicago or ER anywhere or any other busy practice in any type of clinic anywhere, it can be very easy to feel like there are 19,000 people waiting and they all want to see me in the next three minutes. And so do I really do this? And I can tell you I have days where I don't do spiritual care. Close your ears, Bob. Um, and I leave those days and I don't feel like I did anybody a service, even though I may have fixed a lot of people that day. Um, and then I have other days where no matter how busy it is, I'm reminded God is good and gracious to me and he reminds me to stop and to really look at where they're coming from and to do spiritual care. And I can tell you that those days are always my best days, even if they're my busiest days, my longest days, my hardest days, it doesn't matter. Because I can leave and I can know that I truly impacted someone eternally, not just for the next three days as they get over their cold or as they heal a broken arm or whatever the case may be. And what this program did for me, for the, I did spend the month as a medical student, I've been back a couple times to the conference, is it just really grounds me in reminding that medicine is not about the medicine, it's about the soul ultimately, and really gives you an avenue, trains you how to address my big toe hurts to where is your strength coming from, where is your hope, what are you going to do about your big toe and your crutches that you're going to use in your four-story apartment, who's going to help you, how can you rely on the Lord, and figuring out how to turn toe pain into something eternal. And it's so great to practice that over and over and over, to see it modeled by different physicians who do that here in this country, and then be prepared. Whether I'm going to practice ER in Chicago or whether I'm going to end up in the heart of Africa, I now know how to go from something hurts to a true hurt and figure out how to address people's spiritual needs. And so it's something that has allowed me to use medicine as an avenue for spiritual multiplication. Thank you. Well, thank you for indulging us an extra five minutes. Here's my contact information. If you would like the PowerPoint slide for this, send me an email. I'll send it to you. And then uh, I've got some information about our summer preceptorship as well as a conference. It's up here if you want to come grab things. I'll be here for a few minutes if any of you have any questions or want to talk about anything. Thank you. You guys have a great conference. And uh, enjoy dinner. <laughs>